It never ceases to amaze me the way kids love to read and reread a story. Have you ever found that? My kids used to love hearing the same stories over and over and over again. And if you were reading it, even before they could read, if you skipped a line or if you sneakily turned a few pages over quickly or if you said the wrong word, they would pick it up and you'd be in trouble. Not long ago, we were having dinner at our place and our kids, most of you know, are now much older. And the subject of Otto, the fish that grew, came up. I don't know if any of you ever have ever read that story. And immediately our kids, ranging in age from about 15 to 20, were able to recite the story of Otto almost word for word. There's something wonderful about familiar stories, isn't there? And for many of us, the Bible is full of them. Stories that we've heard over and over and over again. Stories that some of us can even recite word for word. But what I love about Scripture is the way that even when stories are very familiar, there's often something new that we can learn from them. And that's because God's Word is living and active. And we never, we never read it without it showing us something new if our hearts are willing to hear and to learn. We learned last week as we looked at a very familiar story about when Jesus was in a boat with his disciples and when a huge storm blew up, we learned about how, how Jesus spoke just a few words and the storm stopped. And I was encouraged to be reminded, as I'm sure some of you were, I know some of you were because you spoke to me afterwards, to be reminded that when storms hit our lives, as they do, as they will, as they're going to, that Jesus is there. He's with us, just like he was with the disciples in that boat that day. And he's using the storms to teach us and to grow us as people. Well, today we're going to have a look at another story that I'm sure is very familiar to lots of you. This day, Jesus and his disciples were up in the north of Israel, around the shores of Lake Galilee. And this time, it's not a storm that they're up against. It's a massive crowd of people. People who are hungry and have nothing to eat. So turn in your Bibles with me to Mark, to Mark chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, otherwise it's going to be up on the screen. And let's read this story together. Mark chapter 6, verse 30, we're starting from. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and what they'd taught. So let's just stop there for a moment. What are they talking about this ministry tour? Where have the disciples been? Well, if you look back over the previous chapters, you'll see that Jesus chose these 12 men 
to work with him and he sent them out in twos. And earlier on in chapter 6, we read from verse 6, Then Jesus went out from village to village teaching and he calls his 12 disciples together and he sent them out two by two with authority to cast out evil spirits. He told them to take nothing with them except a walking stick, no food, no traveller's bag, no money. He told them to wear sandals, but not even to take an extra coat. And verse 12, so the disciples went out, telling all they met to turn from their sins, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. So the disciples have been off on their assignment, and it seems like they've had some real success. They've had some wonderful experiences, and they're excited about what they've done in the villages where Jesus has sent them. They're excited, but they're probably worn out. They're probably pretty tired. They need a break, and Jesus knows it. So he says to them, this is verse 31, Then Jesus said, Let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quieter spot. I want you to notice firstly that Jesus, our Jesus, our Lord and our Master, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows that we're limited and he knows that there's only so much that we can cope with at any one time. There'll be times when Jesus will call us to step out and do the hard work of ministry, just like he did with, with those young disciples. He sent them out with a hard and a difficult and a challenging task. But there will also be times when Jesus says, it's time for a break. And that's what Jesus said to the disciples. Interestingly, in Murray's and my experience... Often that has been some sort of injury <laughs> or something. You'll hurt your back or something and suddenly you're flat on your back for a week and it's like the Lord's saying, okay, enough. If you're not going to stop, I'm going to lay you on your back for a week and you're going to have a break. It doesn't always happen like that, but sometimes it does. Jesus said to the disciples, he knew they were tired. He knew they needed a break and he said, Let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. Let's keep reading. Mark chapter 6, verse 33, this is. But many people saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and met them as they landed. A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. Now in life, in our attempts to minister to people, things don't always go to plan, do they? Obviously, Jesus had hoped that the crowd would give them some space, some room for rest. And he said to the disciples, come on, let's get in the boat. Let's go over there and have a rest. But that didn't seem to be the case with how things worked out. 
Those of you who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you know that to be true. There's times when you're exhausted, you're peopled out, and the phone rings. So, so how did Jesus handle this? Let's have a look because I think we can learn a lot about kingdom living and about grace from looking at the way Jesus handled this situation. Verse 34 says, A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat. This, is, this wasn't just a few fans looking for an autograph like after a big game or something. There was a lot of people that had followed Jesus and the disciples around the lake. We're told that there were 5,000 men and their families. This was a big crowd of people. Jesus and the disciples would probably been well within their rights to say, look, we've actually come over here for a break, for some time out. Can you just give us a bit of space? We need a little bit of space. Why don't you go home? Let's do this another day. Especially when you consider that that is just what Jesus had said to the disciples. He'd said, come on, let's go and have a break. Let's get in the boat go and have a break. But Jesus doesn't answer the people that way. He doesn't send them away. Scripture says that he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he taught them many things. So Jesus saw that these people were lost. He saw them as they really were. He looked past the immediate circumstances past his own needs, past the disciples' needs, to the needs of these lost people. They really needed him and his message about the availability of the kingdom of God. Many of them need, needed physical healing and Jesus had compassion on them, teaching them and healing them. There are going to be times in your life when the last thing that you want to do, the last thing that you feel like doing is giving yourself for others. There will be lots of times when you feel like you have nothing left to give, when you need a break. It's important to schedule in breaks. Breaks are very important and it's important to have healthy boundaries. We hold all of this in balance. Otherwise, you can get to the point where you have nothing left to give. But also remember that there will be times when the Lord will call you to go beyond what you can give. And when that happens, you'll be operating purely on his strength, on his strength working through you. So do you get the picture? The disciples are exhausted. They really need a break. They're just coming back from a big week of being thrown in the deep end. They're, they've been out there ministering two by two. They've just rowed across Lake Galilee and they're tired. Verse 35, late in the afternoon, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and it's getting late. 
Send the crowds away, please. You can hear their pleading, can't you? Send them away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy themselves some food. Can you hear their tiredness in their response to this situation? They're looking for an out. They left the other side of the lake with the promise of some rest and recreation. They were probably planning a night, lying around an open fire, telling stories about their experiences over the last week or so as as they'd been out ministering. They've put that on hold so that Jesus can do some teaching. But now the people are still hanging around and they're getting hungry. So they suggest, Jesus, send them away. Tell them to go. Tell them to go and get some food. Then maybe we can get the fire going and we can, we can relax. Verse 7, Jesus says, you feed them. With what? They asked. It would take a small fortune to buy food for all of this crowd. In the original Greek texts, the disciples give an amount, 200 denarii. Now, a denarii was the amount that someone that was labouring, so, you know, an average worker, would earn in a day. So, 200 denarii is equivalent to about eight months' wages. So, in today's money... We might say it was going to cost about thirty dollars to $35,000 to feed this crowd. This is a big crowd and it's going to cost an enormous amount of money to feed them. And the disciples say, um, Jesus, do you have any idea how much this is going to cost? Can you hear the attitude in their words? Of course Jesus knew how much it was going to cost. Remember, he's just spent the whole day healing people and teaching, teaching them wondrous things about life and about the universe. Let's face it, he created the universe. He created each of those 5,000 people and all of their families. For months, the disciples have been with Jesus. They've seen him do incredible things. And now they treat him as if he doesn't get it, as if he doesn't really understand the bigness of the task. We do that, don't we? We go, "Um, Jesus, you can't really be asking me to do that. You, You obviously don't understand what's involved with that. Jesus just asks them, How much do you have? Verse 38, how much food do you have? Go and find out. And they came back and they reported, well, we have five loaves and two fish. There's a very important lesson for us to learn here. We need to know what God has given us. He won't ask you to give more than he has already given you. 
Jesus asks them to feed the crowd, something that was beyond them, something that was impossible for them. But then when it came to actually doing it, what did Jesus require of them? He just needed them to give the very little that they had back to him. What has God given you? Maybe what you have seems very little to you, very insignificant. Maybe you can play guitar a little. It was, it was awesome to see Giuliano up here for the first time playing guitar on his own, carrying the service with the little bit of guitar that he can play. You play guitar very well, Giuliano, but he's offering what he has. Maybe you can play a musical instrument a little bit. Maybe you can cook a little Maybe you can mow lawns a little. Maybe you have a little money to give. Jesus won't ask you to give more than the little that he's already given you. It's what he does with that little. That's the truly amazing thing. That's the miracle. This is such an important lesson for us to learn. Know what God has given you and then give him the little bit that you have and he will multiply it beyond your wildest dreams. Verse 39, Then Jesus told the crowd to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat in groups of 50 or 100. Now, I want you to notice the absolute faith that Jesus has here. Faith in the power of God to make this happen through him. Remember that he is God, but he's also fully human. Jesus gave up his rights as God to come among us to be human. So, he is operating in the same power that we operate. That is the Holy Spirit's power through human flesh and blood. He knows what he's planned to do. He knows he will do it. But it's not as though at this point there's a heap of food sitting around to, to be distributed. The miracle hasn't happened yet. They've still only got five loaves of bread and two fish. But Jesus says, the crowd, says to the crowd, sit down in groups of 50 or 100 on the green grass. So Jesus sits them all down. Something that would have taken a little bit of time and effort. I know what it's like trying to get 40 Ignite kids to all sit down. That takes time. Imagine trying to get 10,000 people to sit down in groups. Getting them organised, sitting them down in groups would have been no small feat. And there must have been this sense of expectation. Have you ever thought about that? There's little kids sitting on their parents' knees saying, what's happening, Mum? What's happening? They must have been thinking, oh, he's sitting us all down. What's going to happen? There's this sense of expectation amongst the crowd. And then verse 
41, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up towards heaven and he asked God's blessing on the food. Can you imagine that? He's got them all organised. He's got them all seated. Remember, there are 5,000 men there. So that means that counting all the women and children, there's probably more than 10,000 people there. He gets them all seated and then he holds up five little bread rolls and two fish and he says, for what we are about to receive, Lord, we are truly thankful. Amen. Imagine what that must have been like. People would have been thinking, what is he doing? Why is he saying grace for that little bit of food? Doesn't he realise? Are they just going to eat and are we all just going to watch them? Or is Jesus going to have the bread and the fish and, and we'll just sit here and watch him as he has his, says his grace and has his meal? Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples to give to the people. Notice the food doesn't just appear en masse. It doesn't land in the middle of the groups of people. It doesn't land in their lap. Jesus just keeps handing it out. And it doesn't run out. Every time he hands a fish to one of his disciples, he has another one to hand to another disciple. And they, in turn, just keep handing it out. Think about your Christmas dinners. Maybe some of you had, I don't know, 20 people at your house for Christmas dinner. You know how long it takes to serve 20 people. Or maybe you've been to a wedding or some sort of big function and there's 100 people there. It takes a while to serve a large group of people, doesn't it? Imagine what it would have been like to serve 10,000 people. This must have gone on for hours and hours and hours. That crowd is just too big to feed in a few moments. And there's only 12 disciples handing out the food. This took some time. And this is a feast of abundance. There's more than enough food for everyone. There's no sense that, that the disciples are saying, now, please just take one fish and one loaf of bread. No, sir, please put one back. There's not going to be enough for everybody. There's no sense of that at all because that's not how the kingdom of God operates. In the kingdom of God, there is abundance, not scarcity. When Jesus is handing out the food, there is more than enough for everyone. In fact, as the night wore on, the Bible says that people ate as much as they wanted until they could eat no more. Verse 42, they all ate as much as they wanted. And then they picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. 5,000 men had eaten from those five loaves. I can't help but hearing the Lord's sense of humour here. The 12 disciples, they had such attitude at the beginning, didn't they? 
uh, I think you find that that's going to be really expensive and there's lots of people here and Jesus, you don't obviously understand how much this is going to cost to feed all these people. And Jesus leaves them with a basket of leftovers each. The Bible says there were 12 baskets, one for each of the disciples left over at the end of the feast. Then verse 45, immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and head out across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. Afterward, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Jesus insists that the disciples get back in the boat and go home. Clearly, they didn't want to go. You can probably hear them saying, you've got to be kidding. I thought we were going to have a break. What's going on? We're not getting back in the boat. Get back in the boat, said Jesus, and I'll catch up with you later. Jesus sends the people home and then he heads up into the hills to pray. Verse 47, during the night the disciples were in their boat out in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning he came to them, walking on the water. He started to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were astonished at what they saw. They still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the multiplied loaves. For their hearts were hard and they did not believe. The disciples didn't get it. They had been part of the most amazing miracle. The feeding of thousands of people with a few bits of bread and a couple of fish. But their attention was on themselves, on their own needs, on their desire for a break. And because of that, they missed this extraordinary moment when Jesus revealed his true identity to them. But Jesus doesn't condemn them in that. He meets them in their unbelief. He seems to know that it was so important for these 12 men to really understand who he was. And so he goes out to them walking on the water as if to say, you didn't get it when I multiplied the fish and the loaves. Maybe you'll get it now. I had a lecturer at college who at the very end of every biblical lesson, he used to say, think about where you are in this story. I want to finish by asking you to do that. Let's bow our heads together. 
take a minute to stop and think about where you might be in this story. Because I've found that that's a really great way to hear what God might be saying to you through it. Are you searching for Jesus? You've followed him. You've listened to his teaching. And now you're sitting on the grass with a sense of excitement. If that's you, maybe all you need to do is reach out and take what the Lord has for you. Are you like the disciples? Are you saying, hang on God, you can't really be asking me to do that. You obviously don't really understand what that would cost me. Or what's really involved. And Jesus is saying to you, just give me what you've got in your hand and I'll use it. Maybe you've seen what Jesus have done, has done. You've even been used by him, but your faith is still small. You don't really get it. Maybe you're focused on your own needs. Maybe you're tired. If that's you, tell Jesus how you're feeling. Maybe you have got something to give, but it seems like it's nowhere near enough. And you feel like, how could Jesus do anything with this, this two little fish and five little bits of bread when there's all of this need? Spend a minute asking yourself, where am I in the story? And ask the Lord, what do you want to say to me this morning through this amazing miracle? And how do you want, to, how do you want me to change the way I live tomorrow in response to this? Lord, we are constantly amazed at your love, your compassion, your power. And I pray that as we go into our weeks, that you would use this, this story of this miracle that is so familiar to so many of us, that you would use it, use it to speak into our lives, challenge us, encourage us and show us the little that we have and help us to be willing to give. And we pray that as you do a miracle, as you multiply that little and do something amazing with it, 
we pray that lives would be changed, people would be blessed, and your name would be glorified. Amen.